Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Simply Mishka podcast. This week's episode is really special to me because it's my first episode where I ever do an interview um, and it's with a really good friend of mine called Chris Church. We talk about sex and relationships and it was overall, it was such a great conversation. I mean, it took four different attempts because I don't know what was going on. We were just having issues. But after the third attempt and we said our priors, the fourth attempt is what you're going to be hearing um, right now. So without further ado, let's just get right into the episode. everybody welcome to another episode of the simply mishka podcast and we're gonna welcome um, a very special friend of mine chris church you know the funny thing is about how we met is we randomly met in line for our lecrae and dominio concert in los angeles because i had decided that for my birthday in 2018 that i wanted to go to california to see lecrae and andy Mino perform and i was just standing in line i was talking to chris and daniel and mary and it was just weird. And so now we're still friends till this day, which is really nice. And it's really great to, and an honor to have him as my first guest on my podcast. So without further ado, I'm just going to have him introduce himself. Well, hey guys, I am Chris Church. It is awesome to be here on the Simply Mishka podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me be your first official guest. For reality Tech. And Reality Tech, um, simply put, is a sexual and edu- uh relational uh, education program where we go into different schools and different organizations to talk about sex and relationships and just um, break things down to make things plain and simple because I wish I had something like this when I was growing up to help navigate my sexual choices and my relationship choices a whole lot easier. Um, I do that um, outside of reality check. I do music and I also work at Chick-fil-A. Shout out to the Chick-fil-A fans out there who like it more than Popeye's. Woo woo. But yeah, that's a little bit about me. And I'm sure you'll get to know a little bit more as we continue this podcast. All right. So like my main question is, because I don't, I know what you had said, like, did your parents ever talk to you about the, that type of stuff like growing up? Because I know my parents did not at all. Like I learned all of this in health class. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the way it kind of was for me growing up was like, you don't need to know about that right now. You like, don't even <laughs> ask about that. And you're just gonna like learn that whenever you're older mm-hmm. but whenever I was older meant that I'm getting exposed to it from a lot of my friends in elementary school and our perspectives are kind of warped at this point because we're not getting a healthy perspective from mm-hmm. from parents or teachers or what have you so now um, I'm getting it there and so that that's kind of the basis of my understanding of this stuff now. Yeah, and I'm like, at this point, sometimes it's kind of like hard to determine, okay, at what age should you be talking to your kids about this? Because I, right now, because I used to just teach eighth grade, and now I, I teach sixth grade. And so a lot of these kids, I'm, I'm expecting sixth graders to be like super innocent. You know, they're only in the 11th grade, no, 11 years old, like 11. And I'm mm-hmm. like, the stuff, some of the stuff they were talking about, I'm like, oh my God, 
<laughs> I was like, oh my no, God. Yeah. Like, why are these sixth graders talking about these things right now? Like, I was in for, like, such a shock when um, I first started teaching. I was teaching the eighth graders. And, like, some of the stuff that they would say or, like, some of the conversations that I would just, like, walk by and hear them talking about. I was like, I was like, what? <laughs> what is this? So, I'm like, what do you think is a good age for, like, you to start talking to your kids about, like, kids about this type of stuff? Well, um, I'll give you a little bit of perspective. I know the average age that kids, uh, statistically speaking, are being exposed to pornography is ages between ages eight and eleven. I, I personally got exposed to um, pornography like somewhere between five and six years old, mm-hmm. and so. Like whether we uh, whether we are ready to maybe have the talk with our kids or not, it's, we're getting exposed to it somehow. So yeah, maybe not when they're like really really young. I think mm-hmm. it's all. I think it all depends on like the relationship and um, the dynamic of growth you have for kids. But these kids are getting exposed to an idea of sex very very early on in life, and it's getting harder to manage to be able to be uh, be the first people to talk about this thing. Mm-hmm. um with your kids because our world is becoming way more accessible to um sexualized content um even on commercials and what have you so it's um it's something that you have to be really intentional about and see for yourself but also look at the stats and look what your kids are possibly being exposed to at their age range yeah because like even um even TikTok, because a lot of kids are on TikTok. My students mm-hmm. love TikTok. And um, there was this one video of a, a guy, like, I think he was, like, a teenager, but the the younger girl, I don't know if, like, they were related or whatever, and basically it shows them, like, he was looking into her shirt, and then she was looking into his pants. Like, there was a video on, on TikTok doing oh, that. Oh, wow. And I'm just like, what in the world? So, like, even just, like, the popular social media sites, like Instagram, mm-hmm. I don't even know if young people even care about Instagram. Now, I know TikTok is a big thing. And just yeah. like, even just seeing, like, the things that they're seeing on TikTok, I'm just like, I don't even know. Like, how do you even manage, like, all these different things? Like, when you have social media and then you have young kids and you think everything is fine, but you have all these weirdos on the internet, on, on TikTok especially, and you're like, well, how do you protect your kid, like, from certain things? Yeah, it's it's very it's very interesting, right? Because um, I'm not I'm not surprised that video exists at all. I'm, I'm definitely not surprised. Um, one of the reasons um, why our organization, uh, me and one of the other speakers, we did a TikTok for our organization because we realized that's where the kids are at. And since they're in a pool of all this different content, we wanted mm-hmm. to be like a, a funny yeah, educational um, source for good content like that. So. Yeah, um, the explore page on Instagram and TikTok. I actually I don't see as many kids on TikTok or on Instagram as much, but TikTok is definitely huge, right? TikTok, yeah, is a big yeah. thing. Um, yeah. and it's just like I don't know. I feel like when I look back on the way that I grew up as a kid, because for me it was always either it's church, home, school those three things, especially when I was living in Jamaica. And so me and my sisters, we kind of had like this sheltered upbringing. So there was a lot yeah. of things that I was very naive to. And I, yeah. there's some parts I'm like, yes, I'm very happy that I was kind of like sheltered in that way. And I didn't really know a lot of things. And so, but mm-hmm. then when I took health class and it's like the 10th grade or whatever it is, I'm just like, what? <laughs> what yeah. is going on right now? <laughs> I feel like my entire like world was shaken. And even, even taking the health classes and my mind is so blown when I hear like, like my students 
kids that are like 11, 12, 13, they're talking about these things. And I'm like, I've never even done any of these things. I never even heard of these things, but you guys already know about it. And I'm just like, what in the world? And um, yeah. it's just, so how long have you been working with your organization? Um, Less than a year. I started in November of uh, 2019 up until now, but um, mm -hmm. I had a really huge um, training or really dense training process. So I was already passionate about the material before I joined the job, which is actually mm -hmm. the reason why um, I got the job and I believe God sent me to it. But mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, so I was already passionate about um, the respect uh, women have being rightly respected in um, who they are and in their bodies and also um, learning more about human trafficking and being an advocate against pornography and sexualized content and how that mm -hmm. um, shapes the person. So yeah, I've been there since November, but I've had a lot of like a lot of experience that, that most of my speakers don't have. In such a short mm -hmm. time. I was, I was being utilized more as a speaker within this, um, within this past year before uh, COVID happened mm -hmm. <laughs> um, than a lot of my speakers were in this season. So it was, um, yeah. Like when you're talking to the kids, like what is like the top questions that they always ask you? Ooh, um, one of the biggest ones is, is masturbation bad? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I like, I, ma I masturbated a lot of that bad. Um, one of my favorite questions I ever got is, is porn cheating? That's a really, really good question. Oh yeah. Uh, um, I actually, um, depending uh, this one school I went to, the the kids weren't as um, vocal about their questions. I guess they're more shy. But this particular teacher knew that this uh, topic was dense, so she passed it out post-it stamps or post-it notes to mm -hmm. her kids, so that afterwards they could just um, write the, their question on the post-it stamp. And I would be able to read them in front of the class. So it's complete anonymity, complete, uh, completely anonymous. And so mm -hmm. you can get your question answered without knowing that you were that uh, questioner. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I made I made a whole like collage of those pic, uh, of those posted questions mm -hmm. into a, like a picture frame. It's really cool. Um, I have it on my Instagram, whatever. But um, yeah, they asked some really, really good questions. But a lot of them is referring to masturbation. Um, is kissing <laughs> where you get pregnant if you um, if you uh, kiss someone? These are some really legit questions. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think any of them are silly. They they may be funny in a sense because I I know like in retrospect I'm like I I know now. But these are some serious questions and some serious ideas that we have as kids and myths that we um, come up with because we're not getting a proper perspective of what this is, right? So mm -hmm. um, I love all answering all these different questions and just seeing their faces and seeing them giggly and laugh like who's exited like <laughs> um, it's uh, it's it's really funny but it's it's also really rewarding to see that they're getting a proper perspective on these things now. Yeah, and it's like I, I like I don't know there because I've I've had kids that have um they've tried to like talk to me about specific things and there's a lot of times where I don't know if I necessarily feel equipped because it's mm -hmm. it's kind of like I want to give them advice but at the same time it's like I'm a Christian so it's like I have a mm -hmm. faith based perspective at the same time I, I work in the school system so I know there's a certain amount of 
things that I can say, but not too much. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even know, like when it comes to like talking to kids at school, like if it was off like school campus and they asked me a question, I would just straight up like give them like a faith based answer. But then when I'm talking to them, since they're in the school system, I'm like, okay, so I don't want to over like make this too biblical or whatever mm-hmm. like that i need to try to give them like a basic answer do you have yeah you feel that struggle when you're talking to the kids at school because i feel like when you're in the school system like you have to be kind of like specific about how you're going to talk about certain things oh absolutely yeah because um our our organization in and of itself isn't a faith-based organization there are believers of uh, people who believe in christ amongst our staff and so it is a thing where we have to be able to recognize that we're going into a setting where um you can't necessarily talk like that you can talk from from personal perspective but not try to convert and that's that that's never the uh, the case or whatever right you just want to you want to love on these kids and want to express that love just from my mm-hmm. personal perspective like you want to love on these kids so that they can kind of understand that you're genuine and how you're coming across and that you're not trying to like convert them or thump them with information or what have you so um, it's interesting. There are some schools that we go to that are private schools, um, like private Christian schools. So I have more liberty to speak of my personal faith journey in regards to my sexual and relational decisions. But when it comes to public school, I just had to like be more, uh, curate my answer a little bit more, but I still have a lot of freedom in how I, um, speak because, um, I think, kids can understand when you're not being genuine or not and i always mm-hmm. like to come off um i'm a genuine person in general but i always like to come off as like real in my statements and not mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'll, I'll use a lot of like lingo and language that i'm typically using or that i've heard in culture before just so mm-hmm. they could say it like so when we talk about like one night stands or like very hookup culture i say it like yeah you know you know like there's this culture of tooted and booted hit it and quit it and stuff like that <laughs> and so it, it, it grabs their it grabs their attention and they also it also makes them laugh at the same time Mm-hmm. Just kind of reference it in that way but also still be respectable and just talk about the type of terms that we use and if that that type of thing so like so, so yeah. has the like when you go into like the school day they kind of like sit down and say okay these are the things that you can say these are the things that you can't say type of thing or they just kind of just let y'all do your thing no so um the only the only um the only thing i just have to be mindful of is um there's whenever i get already looking into what type of school is it a public school is it a private school um and that's pretty much the only differentiation differentiation i need to know about um for the most part is um if it's a private or public school because that allows me to see how far i can talk about um my personal how much i can interweave my faith journey with my um with my uh with my story with my what i'm talking about but mainly, I, st- I still talk about my own journey, and I talk mm-hmm. about like how faith was a big part. But I don't talk about like what those elements are per se, if that makes sense. But um, the may- other okay. elements that may uh, be important is like if I'm talking about um, unintended pregnancies, or um, if I'm talking about like adoptions and things like that, or parenting. I have to be really mindful because sometimes I speak to a whole group of kids who are foster youth and they don't have mm-hmm. parents, they have guardians or um, overseers and what have you. So I have to be mindful in my language in that regard. Like if mm-hmm. as being sensitive, like if I'm referencing parents a lot and I'm talking to a group of foster kids, they don't know that experience, right? They, mm-hmm. they, don't, uh, they don't have that element. So 
things like that, or maybe just the demographic of kids I'm talking to. Maybe it's a mainly Hispanic community, mainly um, black community or minority community or all white school. All these different elements I have to think about. And so sometimes before we go into the particular school, I look at what the main demographic is. But overall, mainly, um, I'm able to talk to a, a general sense of kids and still be okay. Is what, what age group does it range from that you guys talk to? Um, mainly, it's seventh grade to seniors. We've done mm-hmm. sixth graders, but there's um, our presentation for sixth graders is a little bit different and a little bit um, more elementary than some of the, the bigger talks that we have with other kids. And I always leveled the um the presentation based on the kids and the the amount of information that they have so that they're learning more but um whenever you talk to seniors they're a lot more open they're a lot more uh willing to talk about it and willing to share uh certain things just depending on the group but um we also talk to um there's this uh industry called homeboy industries they're an organization mm-hmm. that helps rehabilitate people that come from prison life drug life um people who are homeless and so we have different seminars with um, people of that demographic, too, because um, it's easy for us to accumulate information because we're starting with the wrong perspective. We're starting with the wrong foundation. And so our attractions to things, our um, view on life on certain things may come from the wrong standpoint. So whenever we bring healthy perspectives, statistics, and what um, our views and our attractions and our appetites are actually producing in the world, can give a proper perspective on what we may have wrong had wrong thinking of this whole entire mm-hmm. time. So it's a pretty interesting thing to even talk about adults and it's really um it's really cool to just be um upfront with adults too. But yeah, do that, uh, foster kids, um, etc. So like when you go in and you try to like to lay that foundation when you're getting started like especially like let's say that you're talking to seniors and they know a little bit more like what would you start off with with you go like start asking them to um some questions like kind of like know like what the room is like what they know what they don't know like how do you start mm-hmm. that foundation of um what are these what are the misconceptions that they have and then like how do you move from there um well one of the biggest misconceptions is um not understanding what abuse looks like the one of the so, so like the pattern in which we typically uh, talk is we we talk about what a healthy relationship looks like, which talks about value, um, self worth, um, how you view yourself, image, and then we also talk about what abuse is and what forms that might take. Because if you don't mm-hmm. understand, first, if you don't understand how to value yourself or what value looks like, you might not understand when abuse is coming your way, right? Because you might be able, uh, you might think that I deserve this right? Because you have a low uh, self-esteem or a, a wrong view of yourself. So that we talk about abuse and then we talk about um, boundaries and core values. So that's like a very good place to start because we, we want to make sure that whenever you're going into life, you start having a better idea of who you are as a person, how valuable you are and how intrinsic your worth is. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so that whenever you start getting into relationships, they don't look as toxic and you can know, try to avoid those hurdles or jump over those hurdles as much as you can. And then we talk about things like unintended pregnancies or STDs. And ultimately, um, it accumulates to how uh, how prominent sex 
actual um, elements are within media or how to be media literate and, and things like I think it because I can try to like um, remember how I was in in high school. Like so for me, like I feel like my self esteem in high school was very very low. So it's like even if somebody did like me, like my self esteem was like I, I thought for a very long time I'm not I'm not good looking. Why would this person like me? This and that, whatever. And just go back to thinking um, of like even if somebody did like me because there was a guy that did like me in in high school, and I was like I don't. Because he was on the football team. Like, I was a freshman. He was a junior. And he was mm-hmm. on the football team. I was like, there's no way that he could like me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's also the, this aspect, I feel like, where my self-esteem was at. It was like, I probably would have had sex in high school if I had gotten together with that guy. But it never it never happened because mm-hmm. I feel like my self-esteem just wasn't where it was supposed to be. And, you yeah. know, like, you know, God always works things out. Because when I look back at it, um, I'm like, God, I don't know. What would I have done like if I was in that situation? Because my self-esteem was low. I didn't really know my self-worth. I didn't really know what I was about. I was still, like, figuring myself out. And it's like, I feel like when you don't really know yourself well, when you don't value value yourself, when you don't have self-esteem, it's easier to get into a relationship that can be very toxic. Yeah. And that's what I wish, like, a lot of, like, younger kids knew is, like, if you don't know your self-worth, if you don't know what your boundaries are, like, you can end up in a pretty, like, bad situation. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that too is um, a lot of um, a lot of people, um, specifically girls, but even it's been um, like a lot with guys too. A lot of times they'll do sexual things because or to the person that they like or offer themselves up sexually because, mm-hmm. to another person because they feel like that's the way that they're going to be liked or that's the way they're going to be attractive or um, pursued or what have you. Like because ultimately. Um, Sometimes when people offer themselves up sexually, it's not because they want the act. They want intimacy, right? They want a mm-hmm. connection with someone. And they feel like this form, um, doing this act is going to pr- uh, produce the intimacy they want with this person. And so um, they come to find a lot of times, ultimately, statistically, and just in general, um, they come to find out that this person only wanted to use her sexually and not mm-hmm. wanted to connect with them on a heart-to-heart issue. And a lot of people end up being broken. A lot of end- people end up being... Uh, it am- amplifies insecurity and amplifies like, oh, I'm just a piece of meat or, oh, I can only be um, desired in this way and then tossed aside. And it, and it does, it does damage, it's critical damage to people's self-esteem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, and, I uh, can understand that. Yeah. And I, and I have that kind of have that understanding too, because my self-esteem was through the ground in, um, in elementary school and, um, high school and stuff too because I didn't know my self-worth I didn't know what I stood on and um probably if those opportunities were given to myself too I probably would have taken them because I was looking for literally looking for love in the wrong places and uh, desiring things that probably would have produced that result so it's absolutely true yeah because my main thing was feeling the need to be validated. So I felt like if I was mm-hmm. with somebody, then I would feel like, well, now I feel like I'm pretty enough because somebody actually does want to be with me. And that yeah. was kind of like my mindset, my thinking. And I kind of had to, it, it still like took me a long time to kind of get over that. Cause even when I, I left college and stuff like that, I mean, like I'm in my early twenties and I'm like, why yeah. do I still feel this way? Because even in, in college, I, I feel like my self-esteem was still kind of low and I think that need of validation is like, well, the only way that I feel pretty or if I feel good enough is if I feel like I can be with somebody 
if I'm if I'm not able to be with somebody, then yeah. there must be something that is wrong with me. And it took me a long time to kind of get out of that, that mindset. And I bet there's a lot of kids that probably think the same way. It's like when you mm-hmm. see people that all oh, the all the boys like this specific girl or all the yeah. the, the guys like that. yeah. So it's just. It, it's just, it's like, well, why do they like this person? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't, mm-hmm. <laughs> why can't somebody like me? It's kind of like that thing. Like, you look at that person, like, okay, what do they have that I don't have? Like, what do I need to get so that I can, you know, be like that person? Yeah, it's a, it's a huge field of comparison, right? And which is why it's so dangerous in a world that's so accessible to information and different people's profiles and stuff like that. Comparison goes through the roof now because we have, we're, we're scrolling. We're so attached to our phones nowadays. We're, we're always scrolling and we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people's lives, whether we realize it or not. And so self-worth is always um, being wrestled with amongst people because they're always comparing themselves um, to this person. Oh, I wish I mm-hmm. looked like that. Oh, I wish I had this amount of money. Oh, I wish I had these things so I can be desirable by this type of person. It's, it's just a whole conglomerate of different Mm-hmm. that are wrestling with our self-worth and it's, it's um the more access we have to things it's easier it is to do that type of stuff I, I think i was reading something the other day like there's um i think her name is melissa chen like i follow her on like social media and she was saying i think it was her <laughs> i hope it was her like she was saying that when she was younger her mom didn't allow her to have barbie dolls and didn't allow her to like read certain magazines. And like she said that when she was growing up, she was really mad at her mom for like not letting her have Barbies or different things. But she said that her mom did that because she didn't want to have a wrong self image of herself or compare herself to, 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 um, to other things. And I feel like, yeah, even though it kind of seems a little bit extreme, I feel like there's at yeah. some point where like, how can you protect the self image like of your kids, like so that they can feel like secure about themselves? you know so it's just trying to promote that because even now like i think about it right now i'm just like what what am i going to do when i have kids one day like how do i promote like a healthy like view of themselves like how like how they they see themselves and to know that they're loved and that they don't have to um need other people's like validation to make them feel good about themselves or they don't need to compare themselves like you're you you're unique yeah and it and it like eventually kid (laughs) kids pop the bubble of like things that we uh, grow up with right but like it is important as parents to understand what that looks like because if you lay those foundations if you lay those foundations of self-worth and understanding they'll be less likely to engage in whether it be a romantic relationship or like a friendship they'll be more likely to gravitate to people who are going to be better for them because those core values are present like there's an example i give and um, this this might be completely off topic, but this is an example I give when I'm talking to this kids, when we're talking mm-hmm. about core values. There may be a student who has the core value of respect and attentive listening and uh, and has their, uh, and highly values the learning aspect, right? And so whenever they're in the classroom setting, they're completely paying attention to what the teacher is saying and what the teacher is teaching, right? Mm-hmm. But ultimately gets into the situation where she's on, or she or he is on the playground and they start getting called a teacher's pet, right? Mm-hmm. Which is directly, they're called, being called a teacher's pet and it's directly attacking the core, these core values, which are good things. Attentive mm-hmm. listening is a good thing and be, having respect is a good thing, but now... Um, you're attacking the very character of a person without even realizing these kids can often often do that because they don't know, right? 
And so now you see the same kid acting up are being are being disrespectful in class because now their their character is being attacked and and it's just this whole entire thing. So you might uh, whenever we call people names or things like that, you might be attacking the very uh, core values of a person that makes them who they are. Mm-hmm. And, and now they're having an identity identity crisis a whole lot younger than <laughs> most most people. It's kind of an interesting element. Yeah, it's crazy because like just my kids, like some of the things like they're bullying and name calling is a huge thing. And like, yeah. so for me, like I don't tolerate that type of stuff in my classroom. And I'm like, listen, mm-hmm. you do not call people names. Okay, you do not try to to bully people because I will, I will, <laughs> I will yeah. nip that in the butt real quick because I'm not yeah. about it. Like you do not dare. And I also say this too. Like I don't care if the person is in the room right now. You do not talk about another student in my classroom while I'm here. That's not happening mm-hmm. because I will. Like it doesn't matter whether or not the kid is a, like considered a good kid or a bad kid to some people. Mm-hmm. I will come to their defense. I'm like, listen, you wouldn't. It doesn't seem like you would say it to their face. So why are you saying it right now? Okay. Yeah. Like, like for me, like I just don't like that. I don't like the concept of talking behind people's back. I don't like the concept of like, you know, calling people names and this and that, whatever. I'm like, okay. So you, you want to be big and bad. You want to be calling. I call my students out real quick, and they know it. So yeah. it's just like I, I'm still kind of trying to get to um, understand sixth graders because I feel like mm-hmm. with my eighth graders, like I was like quick, and like yeah. with my sixth graders, like I'm still kind of like that was my first year doing sixth grade with my eighth graders. I was just like, I, I could talk to them in, in a specific way because they're a little bit older and I can be a little bit more sarcastic or whatever. But with my sixth grade, I'm still trying to like gauge, like what are the things I can say without them being a little bit too, like, I don't know, yeah. emotional about it. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and sometimes the kids don't even recognize they're, they're being bullies because that's all they know. Um, mm-hmm. I remember like there's this, uh, there's someone I work with at Chick-fil-A. He, um, he's one of the cool, he's one of the coolest guys I know. He's like, he's kind, he's awesome. And he just enjoys a lot. And he told me one day, I was in conversation, he says, uh, Chris, believe it or not, I used to actually be a bully. And I'm like, wait, this, that, who you are doesn't add up with what you're saying to me right now, because I would have <laughs> never guessed it. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I used to bully people for liking anime, anime and video games. And this dude, mind you, is one of the biggest fans of anime and video games that I know. But what he told, ended up telling me was, is that he grew up in a household where he couldn't play video games or couldn't watch certain uh, entertainment shows because it was like considered the devil or whatever the uh, situation was. Like his parents didn't allow him to watch it. So now that he has a whole bunch of people that he's going to school with that has the freedom and liberty to do these things. And he's not, and he doesn't have control or, or access or control in his own household. He tries to take control of those situations as a kid amongst his peers, um, and that's where the bullying comes out. But that, then he ended up growing to like these type of things, and he understood where that came from. So ultimately, when it comes to bullies, you shouldn't you shouldn't uh, approve of their behavior, and you should speak up on the behavior when they're doing that. But um, I think there's a root, there's a stem to why it's happening, and typically it's because they don't have the power or control within their home environment to do certain things. They lash out with, uh, amongst their uh, It's crazy, like, how much stuff goes back to your childhood because right now I'm even, like, I'm watching, like, um, this drama and it's just crazy how much, like, your childhood affects you as an adult. 
And I'm just mm-hmm. like, they both, both of the main characters, they had issues with their mom. And that, that they're now in like their early 30s and they're still de- dealing with those issues Yeah, uh, when they're older. So it's crazy like how much your, your childhood can affect you as an adult or like just even as you growing up and the things that um, you're learning can, how much that can really affect you. Yeah, because um, you don't, it's interesting, like you don't, like kids are just grown up adults. Our adults are just grown up kids, right? The mm-hmm. things that you learned as as a kid is is just accumulating. So you need to find out where. Like ultimately, you have to ask those questions of where this stems from. Where, like, why is this uh, popping up in my life, and where did I get this idea from? Mm-hmm. Which is why I love talking about these sex topics and pornography with kids because you um you're ultimately like addressing wrong issues and things like that hmm. like my main thing is like because i didn't really know about i remember the first time i heard about um porn hub or something like that was one of my kids had accidentally mentioned it in class and i didn't even really i didn't really even know what it was and i'm just like i'm, I'm just thinking to myself like these kids i like, do they, their parents like even know that they're looking at these type of things because you know like uh-huh. when like a lot of these kids they have their iPhones or their different fancy like um smartphones that they have nowadays and you don't really know what they're looking at when you're not home or what when what they're looking at when they're at school so I'm just like it's like you like how do you even go about like even checking that like what are you, what is your kid looking at on their phone like what are they like how do you even check stuff like that there there is certain apps that allow you to like uh, be able to see the history of the history of like your kids on another phone, another another device. Um, I forget the names of it. I think it's like um, Covenant Eyes or Accountability for You or something like that. But it allows um, outside. I mean, I guess outside of parental controls and things like that, which are really important, it allows you to view the um, the web history on your um, on another device of your child's phone or whatever. So I think those things are important just to safeguard. Um, your kid like your kids and what have you because ultimately you're they're going to be thrown into the world and exposed to a lot but again the foundation having that foundation of of proper respect and things like that will ultimately have you stiff arm stiff arm um wrong ideas when they come your way because you know that's wrong or you know that this isn't correct and you've been raised properly and um yeah because I remember one of my coworkers, he was saying that for his sons, like what he does is, at, I think at 10 o'clock at night, like he would take away their phones and they wouldn't get it back until like the morning time. So uh-huh. it's like when they come home, like they have to make sure that their homework is done. They do what they need to do. And they're not getting their phones back until like, until the morning. And I think it's for the main part. Like for me, I, I see it as this. Listen, that phone is a gift. Uh-huh. Unless you paid for it with your own money, <laughs> it's yeah. not yours, it's mine. So it might it might seem like it's theirs in a way. But if you're not paying a phone bill, uh-huh. if you didn't even buy the phone, I don't really see why parents should be scared to kind of be, I guess, in control. Not too controlling, but kind of be in control of like what their kids are listening to or have access to on their phone. Like I don't even know if that sounds controlling or not. But I feel like I just I think it just depends on the age. Like I feel like if I had yeah. a kid that was in elementary, like early middle middle school, I've, I'll mm-hmm. I'll probably be a little bit more in control of of um what they listen yeah. to. And then again, like how what age should kids even have cell phones? That's another thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like um, like we said, like when you talk about boundaries or relationships, boundaries are a good thing. And I think setting those boundaries up early on allows you to navigate. Just like whenever you go on, like when you're driving, like 
yellow lines or like boundaries that you have so you don't crash, like signal lights and things like that. You know, what? one thing I wanted to ask you is like when you were talking to the kids about setting boundaries, what are some boundaries that you tell them that they should set in a relationship? Respecting your time is a huge one. Uh, respecting time. Or if you like, for example, let's say you have the value that you don't want to have sex before you're married. Mm-hmm. You need to speak. You need to speak that boundary early on into the relationship, mm-hmm. um, so that the person that you're you have a partner with knows that's the boundary you want to set, and so they can um, be able to respect you more, or like at least you said that, yeah. So that you know that boundary is there, and if they try to push that boundary now, you can know that it's kind of a toxic relationship or mm-hmm. leading to a toxic relationship because they're not respecting that boundary, right? Um, it could be things like that. It could be, what's another good example? Um, it could just like, sometimes it's hard to understand what boundaries are until that situation comes to play. Maybe you like have an idea of what some boundaries are, but then maybe, um, you get into a situation where someone does something you don't like, you need to speak up on those things because, um, if they don't know that bothers you and you don't say anything and they continue to do it, it's, um, it's ultimately up to you because you haven't expressed that um, boundary or express that uncomfortability with that, you know? Um, so that's one of the things we talk about is um, boundaries must be communicated. There, 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 should, there may be boundaries that can be assumed based on what you know of a person, but if you're getting to know someone intimately, whether it be a friendship or whether it be a romantic relationship, ultimately communicate your boundaries early on so that you guys are on the same page. You guys both know where you stand with a certain issue or certain things. And so the, ultimately the relationship can flourish in a, in a really great way. Um, I think, yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was no, no, like, cause I was, I was thinking about things like um, for boundaries. Like, so for me, I know personally, like I don't want to have sex before marriage. And so I feel like I wouldn't want to put myself in a situation where it would be tempting to for that to even happen. So I know yeah. like my boundary would be like, we should not be in the same room mm-hmm. at the same, like like sitting out on my bed or anything like that. Yeah. No, there's at no time where we should be horizontal. Like what's <laughs> that should not be happening. That's just tempting right there. Mm-hmm. And like, I just know for me, like people have to kind of think about like, what are the things that trigger them in a way? So it's like, if you know... Like, if you can't handle being in a space and you see your man shirtless and you're like, damn, <laughs> like he looks so good right now, <laughs> then you should not be in a, like a space by yourself with him yeah. being shirtless. Unless you're at the beach in a public place, that's different. But if you yeah. know like you're alone together, I feel like there's certain things like people have to think about, like, what are your things that can like get you off? Like, oh, well, I don't know. Like, Bae's looking real good right now. <laughs> like, I don't even know what to do. So it's, like, people have to kind of think about, like, what are the, like, if this were, scenario were to happen, like, how would I respond to it kind of, like, thing? Like, that's what I was thinking about, you know? No, yeah, absolutely. You should definitely safeguard <laughs> things that you stand in strong for. But um, it's I think it's getting harder and harder for um, for kids to know what is it, what's good or what's bad or, like, mm-hmm. seeing that doing things prematurely is maybe not the best thing because like one of the things we talk about is this if if sex is an intimate act if if it's one of the most intimate acts that you could share with a person then it might not be the best idea to share that um that intimate act with multiple people 
mm-hmm. especially multiple people or if, even if with just one person early on in the relationship because now it's clouding your judgment now it's clouding um what is true what isn't and now you're given like one of the best parts of you as mm-hmm. something that's easily accessible early on and then it's hard to understand the levels of intimacy with that you have with the person now and that's a, that happens a lot within hookup culture that happens a lot with with one night stands or in high schools and young adults and so it's important for kids to understand that like we it's okay to take this course it's okay to um, be intimate with one another and not necessarily engage with that um one of my other speak uh, one of the other speakers i work with said something really profound mm-hmm. and and this is kind of like his um viewpoint on dating is that um, anyone, it's easy for anybody to get naked physically. It's a lot harder for mm-hmm. someone to get naked emotionally. So like, it's easy to get in the bed, it's easy to have sex, but for someone to completely unveil their life for you, completely trust you as a confidant, mm-hmm. and trust you with like their emotions and things they're going through, it's a lot harder for a person to do that. But that shows another level of intimacy and a level of trust. Um, yeah. And so it, it, that's really, really, uh, I think that's really, really important and a really good perspective. Yeah, because like, like for me, I know it takes me, well, it takes me a while to uh, like warm up to people. But the, mm-hmm. the weird thing is like it, in 2018, when you met me, I feel like I was more bold at that time because there's no time mm-hmm. before that where I would have just completely talked to people that I don't know because that wasn't yeah. happening because I was always like shy and introverted. But mm-hmm. now, like, I feel a little bit more comfortable, to, like, talking to people. But it's just, I, I don't know. It's, it's for me, I'm very wary of people. It takes me a little bit mm-hmm. uh, of time, like, to get pe- to know people. Like, I, I kind of, like, gauge, okay, what should I tell this person? What should I not tell this person? Yeah. Like, you know, I don't want to release, like, too much information about myself. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah. you're just trying to, like, gauge, like, what can you tell them? What can you not tell them? Things like that. Yeah, and trust and trust is definitely something that needs to be earned, right? Um. If, if you're like getting to know someone, especially when kids who are still getting to learn themselves, mm-hmm. like you have to be sure that you could trust this person completely before you give any part of them to you. Because uh, once you start giving more parts of yourself, it becomes easier to blur the lines of trust and blur the lines of, oh, it's okay to do this. Oh, it's okay to do that because I like them. But mm-hmm. can you trust them ultimately is the, is the big issue. So yeah, I, I completely get that. And I think like a lot of people too, like they kind of have to think about how they would feel if they had sex before they were ready. Um, Mm -hmm. Because like for me, like I, uh, for Tamara Maori, like she waited, well, she didn't really wait until she was married. Like she had, the only person she's ever had sex with is her husband. But before they got married, they had had sex once and she felt like really, really bad about it. And so like, she was like, no, she just had to remain celibate until like they got married again. Like, so so for me, like, I know that if I were to ever have sex before marriage, it would hit me really different because then like for me, I'm very hard on myself. So I would feel like I disappointed God. And I feel like that would affect me like emotionally, like really bad. So I just know, like for me, I just know that I have to specifically me, I have to marriage because if i were to do something it would it would affect me emotionally in a very big way because yeah. my main thing is like i always want to live a life that's pleasing unto god and if i feel like i'm i'm doing something wrong it's gonna hit me emotionally in a very big way and i feel like a lot of people need to think about that if you were to have sex are you ready to have sex as like how would it affect you emotionally are you able to handle it emotionally because then that emotional part and that mental part is really really huge it, it is huge and now, and now I come into these schools with that, that dynamic that I'm speaking to two different types of crowd. I'm speaking to a crowd who hasn't experienced 
this yet and showing the importance of these, these acts and, and value and things like that. But I'm also speaking to the crowd that has engaged in these acts and feels worthless and feels like trash and feels like garbage and it feels like used already, right? So I had mm -hmm. to come in with those, the mindset of like, okay, I'm speaking to both types of people here and show them that you're, you're still of value and you're still of worth on mm -hmm. either side and we can have a better understanding of these things moving forward and there's still good relationships that you can have that are not based off the crappy toxic relationships that you have before you could still you can have a better understanding of these types of things moving forward and you could still see good in relationships coming here. you could still see and you could still be valued by someone else Mm -hmm. um, but you have to know your own worth. You have to know how valuable you still are, even though you um, this type of situation may have happened, you know? So um, it, 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 it goes on both issues. And that's kind of the uh, thing that I kind of address when we talk about STDs and STIs, where um, you may not want to uh, catch an STD or STI, but how do I talk to the one who may be living with a, a sexually transmitted disease or infection right now? Um, I, I let them know that it's not the end of the world, that there's treatment, that you could still live a good life and that you could still see a lot of good in your uh, life despite this uh, situation. But if you have the power and ability not to um, do uh, engage more in this you, um, and you understand the weight of this, it's important to realize this whenever you talk to other people, right? So, yeah. And it's sometimes like too, like I, I, I think I've told my kids this before, like, if you are not able to go into a store and buy your own condoms um, without feeling like, oh, we need to send somebody else in there, I don't think you should be having sex. I'm like, if you are <laughs> unable to talk to your partner about whether or not they, uh, they you should get tested because mm -hmm. if they've had sex before or something, I'm like, you probably shouldn't be having sex. Like, I feel like yeah. if you're not able to have, like, those basic conversations, like, oh, should we get tested, like, getting protection and those type of things, I'm like, you probably should not be having sex. Like, if you can't talk about sex without yeah. giggling and be like, <laughs> like, I don't know, like, you probably shouldn't be having sex, like, for real. No, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> because um, who's going to want to stop? Who's going to want to stop and ask those types of questions? Like, have you been mm -hmm. tested? Have you, have you been sexually active before? In the heat of a moment, whenever you're at a party where your crush is at and you haven't talked to them at all, but now you're in a situation where you get to finally talk to your crush and be next to them in the heat mm -hmm. of the moment, are you going to ask those questions where hormones are up, where you're just mm -hmm. liking this person, you just want to engage with that person in some way? Are you going to say mm -hmm. those things? And, it, and it's funny that you said, like, um, going to the, like, if you send someone to get cons or something, like, it makes me ask like this. If you, if, and oh, and like, a, one of the big questions, like, do you, are you giving out free condoms? That's one of the things that some students ask. Um, but one of the big things that we like to say is, um, if, you don't have if you don't have the money or uh, the responsibility to go out and purchase your own condom if you don't have that amount of money do you think you have enough money to possibly be able to be a parent mm -hmm. <laughs> or what have you do, do you get mm -hmm. me so um these are the questions that i don't uh, kids don't ask themselves um in regards to this so Oh, yeah. Like, that's one thing I have to talk to my students about. I'm like, listen, if you cannot afford to take care of a child on your own without your parents' help whatsoever, like, you really have to consider whether or not you want to have um, sex. Because a lot of, sometimes a lot of the demographic of, of where I work, like, they have parents that had them when they were young. And so I'm just like, you probably don't want to have the same thing. Because when you're a teen parent, 
um, it's things are a little bit harder for you. Like then if you were, you just grew up like a regular teenage life, you didn't have to worry about parenting another human being, okay. um, you know, having a, a, re- a normal like childhood. But I'm like, listen, like if you don't have the resources to take care of a child on your own, you probably should reconsider a certain yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You absolutely. <laughs> I'm in complete agreement with that. So I kind of like wanted to get like into like the faith based aspect of it, because I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of times like in the church, like there's a lot of things that are taboo. And I yeah. feel like in church is where you're supposed to be learning a lot of these things. And I feel like they mm-hmm. don't talk about these things. It's kind of like, oh, you shouldn't say anything. Like, yeah. I'm like, if y'all don't say something, they're going to learn it from somewhere else. And mm-hmm. I, I remember um, I was watching like a documentary like a while back and it was like talking about like you know like the time when i like the, the women's right movement they were talking about like abortion and like the type of music uh-huh. and like how sex had become like this this huge thing and the church was very silent about certain things and now when things starting to go a little bit crazy that's they're like oh my god what is happening what is uh-huh. happening with our kids i'm like well you didn't yeah. talk to them about these things what do you think is going to happen like they need to, i feel like they need to stop making certain t- topics to be taboo because then that's when a problem arises. I'm like, if they're not learning about it in church, if they're not learning about it in a in a safe environment, like, where do you think they're gonna hear it from? So I, I don't yeah. know. Like, did you did your church or ever really talk about those type of things? Like, you know, growing up or. Um. And by the way, I'm speaking on my own behalf on this. Um, mm-hmm. Uh. When I, like it was interesting for me because I was I would live with my. I was back and forth as a kid living in California and mm. Missouri, mainly mm. in Missouri. But my, my grandfather, my grandfather is Pentecostal. My dad is Seventh-day Adventist. I live in mm. Missouri where there's like mostly Baptist type churches. So I'm not really hearing, I'm not really hearing things in the church per se of those things being talked about. Um, mm. Like there was never any sermons or anything like that. But the main thing growing up in a Christian household is you don't need to know about this. Don't think about this. Don't have it. Um, etc and things like that so but there is i do know that uh, i do know that the reality that topics like sex are very taboo in the church and all you says all you need to, um you only have sex when you're married that's it if that's the if that's the whole point you're trying to make you're you are leaving out a lot of question unanswered questions mm-hmm. um for things for kids who are struggling with stuff that is really really real understanding that like these sexual desires that I'm having aren't fake. Mm-hmm. What do I do with them now that I'm trying to, uh, now that I'm told you can't have, uh, you're supposed to wait until married or what have you. So uh, what was I saying? So yeah, there is a lot of things that are taboo in the church. And I think um, we have been irresponsible. Uh, the church has been irresponsible in that to just say, tell kids like, don't have, don't have sex until you're married and leave it at that and make that the same point mm-hmm. of conversation you have with them every single time they bring it up about it. And you're not answering the very questions that they have in regards to it. Why, why shouldn't I have sex until I'm married? Oh, because God said so. Well, why did God say so? Um, you're, you're not really going into it. Like whenever, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very true. And I think that's a lot of times that's part of the reason why a lot of Christians get married early because it's mm-hmm. like, well, they say, well, I can't have sex before I'm married, so I need to hurry up and get married so I can yeah. have sex. And I think that's the main thing, too. Like a lot of people rush into marriage um, because they want to hurry up and have sex, but then they end up marrying the wrong person. So I just feel like mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that have to be talked about in a church in terms of sex and in terms of like um, 
waiting for marriage and a lot of questions that I don't answer. But I feel like there is still kind of hope about it because then I listen like to people like um, like Pastor Mike Todd, like for Transformation, like his relationship goal series and, uh-huh. and like even really just good. his book that like he had released the other day. I feel like it's getting the churches are becoming a little bit more open. But I feel like at the same time with um, some of the churches that are more like old school, I guess they kind of like want to stick to their old ways. And yeah. I feel like it's doing more harm than good in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's it really hard, like not just for that mindset, but for others in particular. Um, I was going to say something very specific. <laughs> Dang, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it, is, it is important. It is important to um, have these conversations and like not be afraid to talk about it because they, they are questions that you need to have or that you need to have answered. And mm-hmm. um, I think just having that um, the grace to be able to answer them also to realize where your kid is in a particular stage of life and just be able to work with them because all kids are different. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. there's kids that things, there's things that kids have that are essentially the same, but each kid is growing up in a different household, different type of parents, different type of situation. Mm-hmm. So even though whenever I talk to these kids, and even though they're in the same grade, grade level, they're maybe all in eighth grade, but their mindset and understanding of sex may not all be on the same page or even accurate. So I think that's really kind of like a lot of most of the questions that I had yeah. about those things. Like, you know, and it was a, a really good conversation because I, I don't really like want the episode like to go too long, but it's kind of been interesting just to hear about like those certain um, like having kids learn about those things because it's very important and like you know having like the the right mindset and is there what are your like to kind of end off the episode what are your top three things like kind of like your advice to either like to the younger people or to parents in general when it comes to um talking about sexual relationships with um um, I think I think my number one advice to parents, well, maybe not my number one advice, but a huge advice to parents is don't think that you having to talk with your kids is going to spur them to want to have sex now, because that that's that. I think that's a very huge thing that parents um, think that'll happen. Like there's some kids who aren't going to be present in the classroom setting whenever I have these talks because their parents believe that, oh, if you talk about sex with them, now they're going to want to go have sex now. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is that whenever I say, how many of you guys know what pornography is? Most of the class is raising their hands mm-hmm. um, already. So this is, this, and this is a huge thing. Like you're, um, you still haven't had the sex talk with your kids, but you're, um, but the majority of their peers already know what pornography is. Mm-hmm. And so there needs to be either a cor- like a course correction on what this is, or you need to start having these conversations with them soon, or else they're going to get a wrong idea about this, and it's going to flourish into something that could be very unhealthy and improper view. Like because I will say, admittedly, pornography and sexual content did a lot of the shaping up to what I'm attracted to in life, and that's mm-hmm. not and that's not a good thing. It it, it um. It, it perpetuated what I thought should be attractive, what areas of the body that I, look, that I was looking at for a long, long time, just to be mm-hmm. completely real. Um, and so that made that made women more objectified in my in my mind for the longest time. And so mm-hmm. you, know, you have to realize these things, like okay, you don't want to have this talk. Um, 
but ultimately their peers and media that they engage with mm-hmm. is ultimately doing the talking for you um, and giving them the wrong idea when you can be doing that yourself. So that's a, that's a huge tip. Um, so, yeah. sorry, does kind of like to add on to that, like what yeah. are some resources that parents could use like to talk to their kids? Do you know of any? Mm-hmm. Um. If they want to talk, if it was, if it's sexualized, I would do fight the new drug. Fight the new drug is a really, really good um aspect of that. Even reality, if y'all want to follow, uh, if they want to follow reality check, that's a really, really good one because we yeah, I'm gonna about, put it in episode description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because we talk a lot about dating. Like, mm-hmm. should I should I do this while I'm dating? Should I should I do that? What does a good relationship look like? We answer these type of questions all the time, and we uh we keep our DMs open for kids to have comfortable to ask um, in the classroom setting or struggles that they may be going through that they didn't want no one else to know. We always keep our hands open to that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, um, those are good resources. What's some other ones? Yeah, those are the main ones I would say, I would say right now. Mm-hmm. Sorry, what was your number two before I interrupt you? Um, about that. My number two is um, put, uh, put a huge emphasis on the worth of a um, self-worth also the worth of other people um, because if they understand what they're worth they'll be less likely to be in abusive relationships but also imputing the worth of other people so that they don't mistreat people in their mm-hmm. in their um understanding of knowing how awesome and amazing they are they have to understand how awesome and amazing and valuable others are too okay that's true i really i like that advice i feel like a lot of that will help like a lot of um parents especially like if I, well, I guess even if they have kids that are mm-hmm. like younger or whatever, they, they can still use that um, advice today. Uh, what are your like Instagram like, or your social media handle where people can follow you and even just the organization that you work with that okay. they can yeah. follow you on? Absolutely. Um, if you want to fo- uh, follow Reality Check, it's just Reality Check LA or at Reality Check LA. They have some really, really good content. Um, my personal page is Church is Active. It's Church is spelled with a Z and active mm-hmm. with two I's. Um, I talk a lot about just my own personal journey with um, relationships, things I've struggled with, things that um, have been issues in the past and uh, things like that. And just I, just I just share like a lot of family stuff because I, mm-hmm. I want it to be relational, interpersonal, and also to show that even though I'm a person of faith, I, I'm a Christian, I'm not without struggle. I'm still mm-hmm. a person that struggles every day to grow more and more um, in my beliefs and in, in my uh, core values and things like that. But um, it's a journey and I want to help people in that regard. So, All right. Thanks for being on uh, my first official guest on my podcast. Yay. All right. So we were at the sign off. Um, thanks, you guys, for listening to the Simply Mishka podcast and Mishka and Chris signing out. Peace.